This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. South Africa this week marks uh, uh, Water Week, and the country is also observing uh, is uh, observing Water Week under National Water Week under the theme Accelerating Change. Despite the recent heavy rains in parts of the country, taps have run dry in many areas. Uh, we're seeing firsthand a lack of reliable water supply due to the crumbling or woefully inadequate water infrastructure that's either poorly maintained. Or it's uh, um, you know is being cut off by companies uh, um, and impacting the pro- uh, well rather at least it's cutting off companies' bloodstreams and it's impacting their production and bottom line. Uh, we're speaking now this morning to the water resource management specialist at the University of the Free State, uh, Dr. Anthony uh, Turton, uh, joining us on the line. Good morning. Thanks so much for your time. Good morning to you and the listeners. Thanks for having me. Now, all right. So, you know, one of the things that I think has not, we've spoken a lot about aging infrastructure and the poor maintenance of infrastructure. Something that I didn't really, wasn't fully aware of was also the level, uh, the impact that uh, vandalism is having on our infrastructure, our water infrastructure. Tell us more about that. Sorry, the impact of what? You just broke up there? Um, of uh, vandalism on our infrastructure. Oh, yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, so infrastructure basically consists of pipes and steel and concrete, etc. Mm. And uh, where you've got a high level of unemployment, as you have in South Africa, you've got uh, metal thieves uh, you know, that, uh, that descend on any bit of infrastructure. So vandalism plays a very, very big role. <clears throat> you must appreciate that the vast majority of our economic activity takes place in a municipal structure somewhere. Mm. Um, you know, that's where the businesses are. That's where the, the real economy is. And it's in those places where you've also got very high levels of unemployment. So vandalism plays a big role on the one hand. On the other hand, the lack of planning and the lack of, of, of skilled personnel needed to do the planning and the maintenance also plays a very, very big role. Mm. The, the, I, I mentioned in, my, in the introduction there that government uh, has given the theme as accelerating change as the theme for this year's water uh, uh, National Water Week. I mean... In your view, what could that possibly look like in terms of uh, accelerating change? What is the change that is required? In what direction should we be heading in? Well, I would answer that question by going back to a little bit of history. And uh, the history is in that in 1994, when we became a democracy, the very first legis- legislation that was passed in the democratic era was the National Water Act. So our National Water Act is a completely democratic act. It's, it's, you know, it's a total break with the past. And, uh, and part of that was the intention of the act was to upgrade all of our rivers in the country. Mm. And all rivers had to be classified from, uh, from an A to a B, C to a D, uh, and, uh, and all the way down to an E. And an E was uh, basically an open sewer. And you were not allowed by law to, uh, to manage a river anything beyond a, a, a classification of a D. But the intention must be that you must always upgrade rather than downgrade. Now, if we take that as the benchmark, if that was the objective set in 1997 when the National Water Act came out, then I would say that the change that we've gone through has been accelerating over time, but it's gone in the wrong direction. Mm. Because I would, I would argue that all of our rivers are probably today uh, are already in an E category, or if not in an E, then they're in a very severely degraded D, and they're rapidly on their way to an E by virtue of the fact that our wastewater discharge, our sewage discharge, mm 
into the rivers uh, has, has degraded them slightly. So, in other words, accelerating change for us is an important thing to understand because we are currently going in the wrong direction. So we have to stop that change. We have to arrest that, that, that trajectory and turn that around. And that is going to be an absolutely monumental task. Yeah. So one of the other things that I think uh, now, uh, because of uh, the advent of uh, load shedding, or certainly the scale of load shedding that we're having, is that uh, now we've had uh, we have this situation where we do have you know dams are full and all of that, but yet we still have uh, uh, problems with water supply as a direct result of load shedding. Something that I don't know whether you know authorities that are dealing with water could have factored in in their planning. Well, load shedding, uh, load shedding is an additional factor. Mm. You must appreciate when these systems are designed, they're designed based on certain assumptions. Mm. The one assumption is that there will always be energy in the system. Uh, you, know, you, 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 you can't plan for something that doesn't exist. So, mm. you, so the assumption is there will be electricity and this is how much you need and you, and you design the pumps and the cables, etc. accordingly. Uh, but of course, that has changed. But the, 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 the interesting thing is that even if we did not have uh, load shedding at this point in time, Gauteng would still be in a, in a fundamentally water-constrained condition because uh, we've known since 2002 that Gauteng, that the, that the whole water management area, will be in deficit to the value of about 780-odd uh, billion cubic meters of water per annum by, by mm. 2025. Mm. We've known that. We've known that you know, since uh, 2002. So even if we didn't have load shedding, uh, you still would be in a situation where rainwater cannot increase its, its supply by virtue of the fact that it's reached the full, uh, the full limit of its, uh, of, of its uh, water abstraction license. Now, this might confuse people because they say, oh, but how can, how can that be when the dams are full? Yes. You must, you must appreciate that, uh, that, that the, the, the full dams at the moment is, a, is a, while it's spectacular to see, it is, in fact, a relatively short-term uh, phenomena because your water resource planning has to take place mm. on 100, 100 year cycles or, or at least 50-year cycles. So, uh, you know, you, you, you can't plan for the, for, the, for the time when you've got the most water in the river. You have to plan for the time when you have the least water in the river. Mm. And uh, so that's what determines what you can do. And the simple reality is that Rand Water at the moment is pumping at the absolute limit of its, uh, of its license. Mm. And therefore, all of the pipes, all of the pumps, everything has been designed to that, uh, to that standard. And, and, and even if someone had to change that license tomorrow, uh, it would then take probably another decade or two just to upgrade all of the pipelines. So these are big, these are large diameter pipelines that you might be able to drive a motor car through. That's how big they are. That is Dr. Anthony Turton, uh, who is a water resource management specialist at the University of the Free State. I appreciate your time. Pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.